also have a patreon go to patreon.com slash your eulogy to support this podcast on patreon thank you thank you two people left uh there's a lot of things i want to talk about but we don't have time for it so wb du bois wrote about the double consciousness theory every young black and male american is aware that he's being watched at all times from the minute he can walk to the day he dies. John Gebertatios is a comedian improviser. I met him backstage at the Green Room at the Huge Improv Theater. We talked about a lot of things. One of them, drinking. And nothing like the sweet abyss, the big pool of nothingness to dip your toes in. Yeah, it, I, it's fun. I'm a fun person and it just makes me um, feel justified in having fun. John doesn't drink for the record. We also talk about moving to Minneapolis as a baby from Sudan. It made it sound like I moved to Minneapolis from Sudan. I did not. We talk about when John and his family moved to Minneapolis from Sudan. His mom's schizophrenia, his dad's drinking, and we talked about absolutely nothing pleasant. Just kidding. John is very pleasant. And we did have some fun. But I'm um, testing. Welcome back to National Geographic. He's a professional improviser. Yes, thank you, thank you. My name is Ron uh, Michaelsberg. Cool. Oh, damn. I am not. Yeah, Williams no, no, Shawn I've Shawn lost Michaels. track of the, the nouns. He is funny and celebrates life. I, on this podcast at least, don't. Just kidding. Haha, <laughs> whatever. It was a great interview anyway. Here's the theme song. Okay, um, John Gabritatios is an improviser and improv teacher at Huge Theater in Minneapolis. He is a founding member of Blackout, a black and POC-centered improv group. He is in Brother Brother, a hilarious duo improv group with music. He is a co-founder of Black and Funny, an annual improv festival in Minneapolis as well. He is also a stand-up comedian and a nice man for taking the time to talk and meet with me today, April 11th, in the middle of a snowstorm. Ice storm, really? Or more accurately... The rapture that has come to take us all from the squandered Eden in which we've destroyed. It was a godless world until we birthed one from our ignorance and hate. And that god, that deity spawned from our avarice as a creature of reckoning and retribution. But before we descend into that Dante-esque inferno of sad justice, let's talk to John. Hey, thanks, man. What a bleak intro. <laughs> also, taxes are around the corner, so that's also... Uh, just a metaphor for tax season, I feel like. John had taxes on the mind because earlier that day he was getting scammed by some people pretending to be the IRS. I had been scammed before. I told him the story. I got scammed once. Yeah. Super dumb. Yeah. I'm an idiot. You want to hear how dumb it is? Yeah. I was looking for a job. Uh-huh. Somebody said, oh, hey, I need to hire someone to like drive my mom around because she's like kind of sick. Huh. And I was like, okay. And he's like, oh, um, but we, we need to buy a car first. And I'm out, I'm out of town. Okay. So we, so um, how about this? I'll send you a, a, a check and... You buy the car. And you, you cash it and like send me the money. Uh-huh. Something. Yeah, you mess up your account. You go ahead and get like some uh, bad check bounce. Yeah. I go and do it and... 
because I'm just oblivious. Yeah. Right. And yeah. but I think mine is really dumb. Where'd you get that offer? Craigslist. Uh, or? I think so. Probably. That is real dumb. That's real dumb. It was dumb. I mean, it was like a three thousand dollar lesson. You had to pay that back. Oh yeah. The bank won't so let I you. cashed a, a bad check. Yeah. And wired it to some stranger. Yeah. Because <laughs> I was just an. Ob- See, I want to say I was like a trusting person, or I believe. No, I was just oblivious. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and you were like, "Well, this is going to be a job that I'm going to get, so let me go ahead and yeah. do whatever they need." Right? They were going to hire you to. Yeah. So you're like, well, I'm just kind of doing whatever they need. It's probably a startup. You're thinking like, oh, I don't know. That is, that's, that, yeah, well, I got to say, you do look like somebody that would fall from for that. Yeah. Just like based off appearance. Every time. If people, you got to know he came in here. It's like a snowstorm. He came in here like uh, just like what you would expect with like the bicycle, 15 coats, helmet, three backpacks. Uh, REI uh, gear, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> REI gear. I got um, I got my dead friend's coat. All right. Well, we don't need to get into specifics. It's yeah. real sad. <laughs> it, uh, no, it, it's his legacy. He used to do. Uh, he was a tree arborist. Uh, oh, all right. And, well, and uh, his girlfriend gave me his coat after he died. Oh. So, wow. um, so I hope you feel like shit for making fun of me. I do, but kind of not. <laughs> <laughs> I know you are impervious. Yeah, yeah. But are you? Are you impervious, uh, or is it a shield you put up? I don't know where it came from. Honestly, it might. And I don't have a tough. Ex- I don't have a tough exterior. I think I. I. I um. Maybe Minnesota tough. Maybe like telling it like it is addressing things. Um, more blatantly okay so here's the the thing with that is uh sarah ahmed scholar has a piece um and it's beautiful it's like the one who perceives the problem becomes the problem and it, it you know it's unfair that i'm just acknowledging what is and i'm not saying that in like a douchey way i, I really just need to go right to the facts and sometimes i uh, i could code switch or lighten things up but i'm tired <laughs> i'm like six foot i'm you know a little big dark skin that's intimidating for a lot of people and i could probably throw on a smile and be like hey it's fine <laughs> west philadelphia board of red <laughs> i can't do that all the you time you can quote the the secret verse <laughs> yeah i mean you know what i mean like it's that is you, is what people are perceiving. Yeah. And I don't have a tough exterior, but I think that's the perception. Um, when we met um, before a radio interview, you were talking about growing up in... West Philadelphia. West Philadelphia. <laughs> not born and not raised. Uh, at Cedar Riverside. Uh, Spent most of my days. Thank you. <laughs> Let's see how much we can ping pong this, uh, which is a uh, a collection of apartments in uh, projects. Minneapolis. Projects. Funny color windows. West Bank area. Known for uh, immigrants. Yes. Somalia, East Africa, Korea, all, all places, all walks of life. Yeah. And you said you moved a lot. Um, I moved to different. Yeah, I moved, moved to different I've lived units. In every building in 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 riverside yep yeah do, do you want to talk about that at all sound do like some to? of it was intense or oh i mean family stuff uh yeah if you want to know about it this 
people are curious about just like as someone who interviews people i have to try to make sure i'm not just like chasing stuff because it's sensational Uh like schizophrenia i think you said Uh that was involved addiction these are things that are easy to like cash in on right and just grab yeah so i'll let you be the judge of it if you think like you know it's something you want to share oh yeah i mean again this is why i'm not good at doing these interviews thank you for that i need that um yeah man like i guess uh living sort of just to recap of my origin story because here's why it bugs me you always go around aa people and they always have that like origin story like like a superhero i was you know you go to enough meetings you hear so many yeah uh, the origin story that i become like it's hard to listen to even mine, you know, because I've heard so many. But uh, all right, um, here we go. It really does exhaust me. I don't know why. But I'm happy to talk about it, but it's exhausting. R- Riverside was um, a-, a beautiful place for for us to like uh, get sponsored, and we moved in with a like mother in law, some some family member. Sponsored and, as in like visa sponsor or um, sponsored to live there. Yeah, like we won the lottery to. Um, come to America in a refugee camp in Sudan in Khartoum and that's where I was born at the refugee camp and then uh, there's a lottery system so if you win that you could take the citizenship test uh, or some kind of test and then if you win if you uh, pass the test if you have a sponsor they can bring you over so we got there Riverside hunkered in and then typical immigrants you know they have one kid two kids they move out on their own to like a nice little humble like one bedroom and they you know the parents both work and they stack up money and then do what they got to do to get out of there right and get the kids into a good school what happened was my mother had schizophrenia and my father was like a cab driver first immigrant to to own from Eritrea to own his own cab so he was pretty driven you know like hands down but schizophrenia mental health that's not a thing that people talk about back home and it's just not uh it's it's just not um something you can even approach and tangibly see how to handle if if they don't talk about it one thing but you're looking at a person that you fell in love with how do you even approach them and and do something you can't do anything so you, my dad felt helpless so then uh that that kind of like messed up the typical uh, track the immigrant track you know where you're successful so because and this is that, early on like when you're a toddler yeah all the way from um yep and then it really became the schizophrenia was onset when i was uh was it the second grade no yeah third grade somewhere in there um she started to have like distortions and um, voices we're, here, we're talking to her she she's the sweetest person but she was getting weirdly violent when my dad uh yeah it was time I, one time i came home from like third grade it's like blood on the floor and i was like oh no what did my dad fucking do to my mom but it was her <laughs> Yeah, she like stabbed him. But um you know, because of that, you're constantly moving because she's gotta go to a home. Uh or get checked in a mental institute often. And then my dad's gotta figure out, well, she's gone. I'm I gotta move again because maybe the lease situation is messed up. Or she damaged the apartment to a degree. Or uh there's so many reasons, but I just, you know, would bounce and sometimes I'm living with a different person at a different building, you know, I'm just kind of like whatever. Some of it is like early, early childhood. And then some of it's like preteens. Some of it's my teens. It's always this constant back and forth of which parent am I going to stay with? Mm-hmm. Where are we going to be located? 
And who's going to be the outside people that are going to really take care of me? Because uh, the whole, all the while, I'm really having families uh, really take care of me while this is happening. And I never wanted to be like, oh, it must have been nice having mommy and daddy there. You know, I never wanted to have that feeling ever, like just uh, a resent. I didn't want to resent my friends because their parents also cared. Like they took care of me, too. But, 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 but um, if there was anybody that told me to go home who was a, like uh, somebody else's parent, I'm like, maybe, maybe I'll go home. Maybe I won't. Maybe I'll keep playing. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> yeah, whatever they wanted me to do. It never i didn't have to <laughs> i could do it it's, it's strange well you in a way you grew up um so much quicker than everyone else mm -hmm. the, the the facade of the con of control that adults appear to have yeah you just kind of saw through that um yeah. one time somebody hit me in the mouth with a baseball bat we were playing baseball and i ran home and took care of myself it was like bleeding i still have the scar in my mouth and i had to be like 9 10 or 11. And instead of just going to someone else's house where their mother's right there or whatever, I went home just just because I was like, well, that's in shock. I was like, I got to go fix this. It's just like Jason Bourne or like, you know, yeah, blood you know, grabbing trail. the stuff, you know. Yeah, honestly. And I, to this day, I still resent one of their friends. For, all of them. None of them followed me to my house. It was like, it was just like they all was just like, well, he's going to go. They weren't equipped with knowing how to... <laughs> how to support that yeah they they didn't have the skills as as super um super kid john i i think uh it's not fair though like a kid shouldn't have to have to be responsible for their parents and so that's that's the one thing that i do i do regret that like you shouldn't have even if you have an older child they shouldn't have to be you know caring for younger siblings it's not it's not it's not what they, no. I mean, you gotta do what you gotta do, but that's, that's not fair. Um, that's one thing I think. I, I, yeah, I, it sucks. Yeah. Yeah, how, do, you, do you feel that now, or is that um, more of an that. intellectual thought, or is it like no, something? No, I always feel it, I always feel it. Like, you don't wanna, you don't wanna like, dwell and indulge that, but yeah, I feel it. Yeah. You just need time to just slowly figure out how gravity works, how your body, yeah. you know, it's just. Yeah, everything. Um, Just the child's brain development. We, you know, it just has its own, like, like, it's got stages or whatever and it needs like it needs nurturing in certain areas that's why it's like good to read to your kid when they're young you know just little things like that helps it develop in certain areas so um i was like a good student i had a good mind but i didn't have anybody there to like foster that and encourage that so even teachers that's they can only do so much but i, I regret that i had to be so responsible for other things and i couldn't focus on mm -hmm. Like, like I remember being like, oh, I'm doing really good in the third grade. I'm getting all the best grades I can get. 
there's a, it's fun to learn. And I never, uh, and that was like my best year in my life because uh, things at home were okay for that third grade school year for, for that moment. I was like, wow, I know all my multiplications by heart pass all the tests and what that does for my self-esteem as a kid is it makes me feel like i have hope there's there's a future i believe in myself mm. i can actually see a life beyond where i'm at yeah and you don't get that if you're always like doing dumb stuff yeah. doing the dumb stuff sorry man i got real sad it's all right it's, it's all real okay. um well we'll take a break folks uh <laughs> <laughs> no, we're gonna get even sadder. Okay, good. That's what I do. You you can be funny and shit, and I'll just make people talk about the worst things in their life. Well, you think that's what the dynamics are? Yeah, uh, I don't know. With Maybe your, with your friend's coat that died. <laughs> you think that's what <laughs> I must honor him. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, his death's so stupid. Yeah, <laughs> like falling out of a tree oh, is no. um, is not. But oh. But you were talking, uh, do you that struggle sucks. with addiction? Did you go to AA or were you talking about I didn't go uh, to AA, Al-Anon? but I went to, um, I went to meetings mm-hmm. later after, after like, I don't know, 10 years. Yeah. yeah. Do you not drink? Nope. I mean, I will put a drip on my lip, like tongue to taste whatever this flavor is like, but mm. no, that's, and that's, uh, just seeing my father have the drinking problem and just it's a problem um it's a hard drug it's a it's a dumb drug it's really pervasive i i have stopped drinking for five years i just started like a month or two ago um what's that like i've always wondered what's it like because i go on you know i travel and do stuff and i'm like i could just get drunk nobody would ever know yeah i know what you mean it started on accident. I'd been kind of thinking of it because I've been reading up about multiple ways of um, treating alcohol abuse because I never felt like an alcoholic in the, the compulsive way that other alcoholics I know. Yeah. So I was like, maybe I just was depressed. But anyway, yeah, it's Christmas Eve. Deadly right there. Yeah. I, I wasn't. Right? You're in this like weird gray area. I'm the gray area. I'm, I'm the one that makes some hardcore drinkers start drinking again because I make it look like you can start yeah, again. Yeah, alluring. Yes. <laughs> But it's um, it was only five years, but the the physical change uh-huh. is so big. I mean, obviously my tolerance is like nothing. Yeah. But I drink a little bit. It kind of makes me feel dumb. I get drunk, and I get a, I get hungover before I even stop drinking. <laughs> oh, really? You feel the effects? <laughs> yeah. Already? It's it has not been. I thought it would be really great, and I would have to make. I would have to stop again. Yeah. Uh, and like go to meetings and stuff. Yeah. But so far it's been kind of not that great. <laughs> Drinking? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's how I, <laughs> I'm glad I haven't got back cuz I feel like it's one of those situations where it's like, "Oh, let's go do let's go do that one more time." You're like, "Nah, I should have cashed out. Got in while your head, you know." I feel like this is the one area where I'm not going to go back. <laughs> uh, even though I still get triggers, I still feel it. It doesn't Yeah, but Yeah, nothing like the sweet abyss. The big pool of nothingness to dip your toes in. Yeah, it, I, it's fun. I'm a fun person, and it just makes me um, feel justified in having fun. You know how people are? It's like, well, let's go have a drink. Great. We're going to justify now having fun. We, we get to have fun, and it's with a purpose. We're having drinks. That part appealed to me a lot. And also the part where uh, my actions was like, whatever. I don't know what happened. Blacked out. 
Mm. Man, have you ever got kicked out of a Tom Thumb? <laughs> First off, how many are there? I think I they th- all get in the gas station, right? Tom Thumb, yeah. There's not many. And the one that I found, <laughs> oh, it was just stupid. I drop a two liter Sprite and bust a hole in it on the sidewalk. And I go back in while it's like squirting out Sprite. I'm like, hey, this is broken. And it's squirting out Sprite on the floor. <laughs> broken. Yeah, I was like, I need a. <laughs> you still need, need a faulty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I said, hey, um, and it's just like, and like, what do you do? Put that away. And I'm like, no, 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 no. But listen, this one's broken. And I was like, oh, this is. I can't go back to that Tom Thumb. <laughs> we then talked about John's dad for a little bit. Oh, he sounds like a. I mean, interesting guy. Had had a lot, so much um, outside of my life. So it's 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 good for me to hear about him. Yeah. Uh, did he cry a lot, or would that have been a no, big moment? No, it's like not a lot, a lot. But as he got older and older, he became more comfortable with feelings. He would wear his feelings out there. Like he didn't care. He's like very. He was so skinny, and he was light skin. Uh, so in the community, you know, it's like light skin, it's a little softer. So he was just like, no. But he was, man, he was like ready to fight. He was, he was getting into a lot of fights. If a cab driver cut off him in the taxi stand, the line, and that cab driver was like a three hundred pound Nigerian. He, he didn't care. He's ready to. Be, and they, he built, he built like a nice reputation for always ready to throw down. So he just was very passionate. And that's where I get it from. I think I get it from him. Um, in terms of like not giving a fuck. Yeah. Um, and he would cry. He would he would tell me like when he'd get his heart broken, he'd get in relationships and a girl break up with him or whatever. It couldn't happen. And he would cry about being <laughs> heartbroken. And I never seen uh, any black male do that ever. And uh, he was so comfortable with letting me see that. I was like, wow. Cool. So he, yeah, he was he was. If he said it, he meant it. Hmm. I had John role play some different people to say a eulogy for him. We did a couple. The one that I thought was particularly touching was the one he did from his father's voice. But he didn't really do his father's voice. He just said what his father would say, and I thought it was I thought it was good. I thought it was beautiful. Your parents still alive? No. Uh, my mom. My dad's dead. Okay. Okay. Ghost of your dad. Yeah. We'll, we'll go the, the hardest hitting one first. Okay. Good. Ghost of your dad comes up. Scary. Uh, ghost- scary image. <laughs> okay. So he gets up there, right? Already he's complaining, right? <laughs> uh, he's going to keep it short sweet because he, he probably um, doesn't like many of the people there. You know, some of the people, they turned their back on him a long time ago. Some of the other people um, still uh, are beefing with him for just other reasons. So it's going to be short and sweet. Secondly, he's probably uh, just going to mention how sad it is and how John was like his brother and not his son. And uh, he'd probably cry. He'd probably... 
Yeah, that's it. I couldn't imagine him at a eulogy. That's crazy. Mm. I'd never seen him at a church, sincerely. Like, he would bow his head and wouldn't have his eyes closed. The one time I saw him at church. So, he was never a person, like, for, for speaking from the heart. But when he would get drunk and we'd hang out in his, like, apartment, he would, he would have, that's his pulpit. He would speak, like, highly of me. He'd say, love me. So, yeah, we had a good relationship in that way. Thank you to John Gebertatios for coming on. I'm recording this outro a month or two after the interview, and perhaps I'm looking back on it with rose-tinted glasses, but I thought John was quite charming and insightful and... Um, as Terry Gross says, forthcoming as an interviewee. Thank you very much, John. If you want to hear him be a little bit more aggressive, <laughs> go see him live. Or you could check out this piece I did with him during the interview. We, we've recorded for a long time, and part of that recording is we talked about race for a while. And we set up a prank where I called my mom and asked her for money because John had like, basically we were prank slash scamming my mom. Whoa, this music got loud. And it was very uncomfortable. <laughs> and I regret doing it, but we got an interesting piece out of it. So check that out on my website, matthewschneeman.com, M-A-T-T-H-E-W-S-C-H-N-E-E-M-A-N.com. Check out John Live. This has been your eulogy. Hit me up at your eulogy mail at gmail.com if you have any questions. My name is Matthew Schneeman. I edited the music for this episode. That's all I got. For this episode, not in general. <laughs> <laughs>